Welcome. You're listening to the Grow Ortho Podcast, presented by HIP. This podcast is dedicated to orthodontists who want to stand strong in their market and be leaders in their community. Now, on to today's show. Dr. Ben, always good to see you. Good to see you too, man. So what started this process? I've interviewed you several times, but for this interview in particular, I was looking through the Fishbine Fundamentals agenda for, what is it, March? Mm-hmm. Yeah. March our next one, yeah. And saw mindset as part of your talk. And, you know, this last book that I'm writing in this uh, practice growth series is about mindset. And so I thought we'd just talk about mindset and share ideas. With orthodontists, with our fundamentals course, we've seen, I think, like 500 practices now. And we get to know, you know, all the orthodontists and how all their practices are doing. And we always try to figure out, you know, what's separating the super successful ones versus the, you know, maybe middle of the road ones. And typically it's it's their mindset. Your talk at Fundamentals is one of my favorites. It's always hilarious. But give give people just kind of a glimpse. Don't give it all away because, right, they, they may attend or, you know, we want them to come to Fundamentals. But the overall idea, what are some of the things that you've seen with orthodontists that may actually be hindering them from growth in terms of their mindset? Yeah, I mean, the biggest line or the biggest lines I should say we hear are that, number one, you know, this won't work in my area. Like, like you're the people you have are super different than the people I have, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know, they all have iPhones. Um, <laughs> another thing is, you, know, you can't you can't do that. Like, you can't, you know, we used to hear you can't do same-day starts. Right now, everybody does same-day starts. You can't not... You know, it used to be you can't not uh, make models and articulate them, right? Now, like, nobody does that. Mm. Um, you know, you can't uh, uh, do whitening at your office. You're going to piss off the general dentist. Well, yeah, now everyone's doing that. Yeah. So I think it's uh, orthodontists have, like, this, uh, you know, what you call their mindset or, or what happens to us in school where we get get these uh, thoughts of, you know, you, you can't do these things, even though it's better for the patient, it's better for the practice, it's better for your team. Um, I don't know where that, where that stems from, if it's an academic thing, but I think the orthodontists that we see who are the most successful are the ones who are kind of able to overcome that. Yeah, I guess it kind of goes back to limiting beliefs. We place these limits on ourselves that aren't really true, but we tell ourselves that they're true. It goes back to that line, that quote you always say, whether you think you can or you think he can't, you're probably right. Henry Ford, by the way. Yeah. So it, it's also interesting. I heard a stat the other day, and I have no idea if it's true, so don't quote me on this, but probably about 80% of people's thoughts are negative thoughts. It sounds, you know, even if we kind of play back the thoughts in our own head, and I think, you know, people with good mindsets, people who are resilient and you know, leading the pack to kind of find a way to tune some of that out. Totally. So much self-doubt. Yeah. Let's talk about developing your abundant mindset. When I started my business or when I was younger and, you know, there was a lot of fear. It was always like scarcity. Is this going to work? I lived actually in an apartment uh, in a complex that my father-in-law owned just because of so much debt, school debt, decided to start my own company, came to, you know, kind of find out my wife had a ton of school debt. Your back's against the wall and you 
talking about self-doubt and limiting beliefs. You have a lot of that. But as people grow, you know, I think that we both, even over the six or seven years we've known each other, we've changed a lot in terms of more of an abundance mindset. Yeah. You see some people who can kind of never cross that that bridge and you can kind of see how it really holds them back. But in terms of your own abundant mindset, did did you ever land on that and say, hey, like, I've got to change or like, how do you kind of think about that? You know, I don't know when that change happened, but, you know, I was like, you know, most orthodontists that we talked to, including myself at one point, you know, if we saw like someone in braces and they weren't our patient, we'd get like, you know, mad and like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they went there. Like my daughter goes to school with her, you know, how could could they go to another (laughs) orthodontist? Like, like there's only, you know, X amount of patients that need braces. And now, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm losing that number, but you know, we're not, we're not in competition with other orthodontists. We're in competition with like Best Buy, right? Like people who are going to spend, spend their money. There's plenty of people out there and, and what percentage of people are getting orthodontic treatment? I, the numbers I hear, you know, oh, sorry, the number of people who are getting orthodontic treatment that could benefit from it, I hear are like 5%, maybe mm-hmm. less. I don't know. I don't know if you have that number, but um, yeah, there's, 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 plenty of, of people who could benefit from orthodontic treatment. Um, so let's, you know, let's, let's help them. Um, and my mindset's just, you know, serve, serve everybody you can. Yeah. And get out of your own way. Get out of your own way. So I think, and again, don't quote me on this, but I think recently Gage or OrthoFi or somebody put out a stat that said 95 million people could get treatment in the U.S., mm-hmm. And only five to six million get treated per year. Yeah, so that's I was so about five. I mean, yeah, that's close. Yeah, and then 5%. you you look at the data and stats, and I think by twenty twenty seven, orthodontics should go from about two billion to four billion in the U.S. It may be more than that. Obviously, you know, when we look at those numbers of ninety five million that could be treated, that's a ton of people. It's the number one question we hear when people come to partner with HIP mm-hmm. is you're not going to work with my competition, are you? Mm-hmm. Now, in some cases, that could be um, like a, a real question and something to worry about, specifically if you live in a location with 15,000 people or, you know, really small area. When we see people in New Orleans or Atlanta or Austin, Texas, and it's like, well, you're a 2 to $3 million practice. How many people could you treat? You live in a population with millions of people. To your point, is it something to even be focused on? No, I actually, I want the orthodontists around me to do better. I mean, so I feel like, you know, when they're doing better, I'm doing better. Mm. And we all have our pockets, I would say. Like there's, you know, certain types of patients that come to me, certain types of patients that come to them, certain, you know, dental referrals we all we all have. Um, but typically the better they're doing the better I'm doing mm-hmm. and also the better they're doing, the less likely they're going to mess with me. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I want them to do, uh, I want them to do well. Yeah. And this kind of goes in with what you just said, where like you may attract a certain type of patient. Maybe there's somebody low fee braces only. Maybe there's somebody who only does indirect bonding, but even beyond that, your X factor, what's your genius and your specialty? How important is it to kind of define that and know where you want to go and what you're good at? You know, does it does it define you or are you defined by that? Is it something you can intentionally set out or do you kind of see, you know, 
where where you are in the market. And you know, for me, it was just I'm going to reduce the obstacles of coming in the door and starting treatment. I'm going to serve everybody I can. I'm going to you know have high quality of treatment, but but be affordable. We weren't we never been super low fee, and I think you know there's there's advantages to that. We we never went that route. We we made affordable payment plans. Um, I've actually recently, you know, continued to, to raise our fee. And then when you add in, you know, we do the retainer plan, we do whitening, which mm-hmm. we're selling to like 90 plus percent of, of all the patients who start treatment at our office. When you add those two things in, we're, we're actually, you know, one of the more um, expensive orthodontists in our area, if mm-hmm. not if not the most expensive. And that's not really the, the road I wanted to, I mean, that's not what I intended when I started, but, you know, we're, we're not having an issue with conversion rate. Patients are, you know, happy to, you know, happy with our services. And, and uh, as long as they're happy, I'm happy. In terms of maybe drilling down into your own X factor, what you're get, good at, your skill set, your genius, what are some of the distractions you've seen orthodontists be consumed with where they may not be able to uh, really think about their X factor and, and, you know, work on that and get better at that? What are some of the, the hangups? Well, I just, you know, I was reading your, your notes earlier. And <laughs> if I can bring this up, the shiny object syndrome. Yeah. Right? So that's, that's a, did you come up with that? I don't think I came up with okay. it, but I intentionally wanted to put it in the book. And we can kind of talk about this because it's super detrimental to growth and specifically with orthodontists. Yeah. I mean, orthodontists, right. I think by nature, we're all sort of like technology, like technology junkies. And, you know, we'll get, we'll get excited about something. And again, there's, there's some um, really cool stuff out there. So I don't want to, I don't want to knock anything, but, yeah. you know, when I'm uh, making a decision, the decision is, is this going to bring more patients into the door? Is this going to make my life easier? Is this going to be a better service for my patients? Besides those really three things, I everything else is sort of noise. Mm. You know, I don't, you know, it's 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 also super hard to sell technology to patients. They, yeah, they don't know. I'm not sure how many of them care. I think they're there for the orthodontist and the team and the reputation of the practice and the convenience and how they feel when they go in there. And I don't know, you know, with some of these newer technologies, they're super cool, but they're, you know, unless you're able to, to treat more patients more effectively, um, bring more patients to your door, I, sometimes it's difficult to see the benefit. Sometimes I think they get in the way. Yeah. Well, also one thing that we've been looking at is just practices P&L statements and some of these technologies. If you're kind of a tech geek or you love gadgetry, it can kind of tickle your fancy. But then when you start to look at your P&L and it's like, oh, like for just for instance, my lab fees may have gone up 100%. You know, I went from 30 or 40% margins to 10% margins. And, um, you know, that's that's not something you want to see a business owner. That's not a decision you want to see them make because obviously you want a healthy practice, a profitable practice. And sometimes, you know, you do have to say, hey, in the betterment for the practice or the patient, we'll take a hit, you know, on profitability. But I think it's a balancing act. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Did you know I used to do indirect bonding for like the first year of my practice? I don't think yeah, so. I did, I did indirect bonding for the first year of my practice. I'm not, I'm not knocking it because I think some orthodontists do really fantastic treatment with it. And um, if they're providing a better service to their patients with it than without it, I, I, listen, I think it's a good thing. But yeah. for me... 
Um, it was not. So mm. for me, you know, we originally did it because we thought, oh, the patients will like this better. It will save uh, doctor time uh, at the chair, so I'll be able to see more more patients. Um, even though at the time I was seeing like twenty patients a day, so it was not <laughs> like I was I was busy at all. And and we just thought, oh, we can. This is a selling point. Like we we do indirect bonding, patients will come in. Well, you know, number one, it didn't really save any any doctor time because it ha- you know how long does it really take you to, to to bond brackets? And also, is the doctor time the limiting factor in the number of patients? You know, your office can see. Typically, it's not. Typically, it's limited by number of chairs or number of team members, because I think, you know, I won't get into it, but I, I think an orthodontist can can see a, a, a pretty high volume of patients uh, and provide good treatment, assuming they have the right systems and, and uh, the right team and, and the right, um, you know, number of chairs and all, and all yeah. that. But not only that, we found out our conversion rate, w- once we switched out from indirect bonding, our conversion rate went up. And we're like, how, how would that be? Because Oh, indirect bonding. We're you know we're telling them we have this great bracket system, and mm-hmm. you know they they you know we we prepare the brackets, and so you know number one the patients didn't care about it, right? And it added actually added time to the consult, which I think is a uh, a way to kill conversions. But number two, what we found was patients were excited to get braces the same day they came into their new patient appointment. They were there like you can get braces today. We can get braces today. We're so excited about that indirect bonding for us killed that. So um, for us, it was not good. I know for a lot of a lot of offices, they they swear by it and they they have incredible success with it. I, I just wasn't able to. It's interesting you say that. Uh, Harrison and I went to Salem to visit Castilla Orthodontics, one of our partners, and I was just kind of blown away at how well they do. And it's so simple. Like they've removed anything complex from the patient experience. It's braces only. Uh, she's a, and she's a, she's a beast, man. She's she's awesome. She's uh, I've gotten to know uh, Anna and her husband, and uh, they have a awesome practice, and they're even cooler people. So they they yeah. they they got it going. I think I'm actually going to interview them next week. Oh, uh, cool. But uh, you know, to your point, all their patients were so excited to be just getting on braces, right? You know, and they made it exciting and celebrated with them. And it's like, you know, I I don't know. Maybe maybe you can just scale actually easier and help your patients and make it easier for them. Well, there's, you know, there's different things that orthodontists get excited about and patients get excited about. Mm. Orthodontists get excited about, oh, you know, indirect bonding, just, just an example, or, you know. Some crazy new modality. Or, or modality, yeah. yeah. Patients, braces. Yeah. Know. With shiny object syndrome too, and this is a big thing we see obviously with doing marketing is people will come to us and say, you know, how, how many starts are you going to guarantee? Sadly, there's a lot of marketers out there that run these type of offers and then, you know, they have super high churn and end up going out of business or jumping to a new vertical because they burn themselves in ortho. We don't make guarantees. Our gar- is that a thing? People are, are guaranteeing? Yeah. So, oh, wow. Yeah. How can they? Oh, that's, yeah. I don't know how that is uh, possible. Our guarantee is kind of like yours. Like, hey, if you wear your rubber bands, then yeah. we can promise right. you the teeth are going to move. It's scientific. Right. I think you know enough about our model where it's pretty scientific. If the practice does their part, it, it's going to work. It's not rocket science, but you know, with shiny object syndrome, we'll see technology, a new patient engagement tool, a chat on the website. This marketing company guaranteed me, you know, a hundred leads a week or a hundred K in revenue a month. And it's like, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. You know, if it sounds too good to be true. And I kind of want to talk about that too, because I feel bad when people go buy these things and then 
you hear these stories. Well, again, you know, if it can, if it's not bringing patients in your door, it's not improving the treatment for your patients, it's not making your life easier, you know, why? Yeah. And maybe beware for some things that are marketed that way, but... Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't do, I've never signed up for any service that said we guarantee you, you know, this number of pay, because that's a ridiculous statement. Nobody can. Yeah. Let's talk about legacy for a second. Legacy. Legacy is personally something I used to never really think about until I got a little bit more established, had a family. For me, personally, we even talked about this at, at dinner the other night and how having kids, my whole philosophy is kind of shifted. And now you want to have unlimited number of kids? <laughs> you just want to keep having kids? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as many as many as we can. Yeah, you know what I, I mean. I love that. I love, yeah, hope I hope you didn't care. I just <laughs> shouted you out on the on the podcast for that. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, she's okay with that. Yeah. In terms of legacy for me, I think about not only what I can kind of create with my companies, but what's going to last beyond that. Obviously, part of my legacy is having uh, as much impact on the partners that we have. So, helping business owners make the best decisions with their time money, marketing, health. That's great. But beyond that, I've started to kind of think a little bit more about, well, how do I kind of pave the way for those after me and directly my family? Is that important? Is that something you think about legacy? Like, how's that kind of play into your own life? Yeah, I mean, I do, right? You know, and I think about my, you know, I got two daughters now. And, um, you know, I think about their life. And I, you know, what's, what's kind of interesting is, like, you know, you try not to care what people think about you, but, you know, you do. And the people, but the people that I, I really care what they think about me are, are my daughters, right? Mm. And I, I, you know, it's funny. It's like, as a kid, you know, you think, oh, man, I always want my parents to be proud of me. But, you know, now as a, as a dad, I'm thinking all the time, like, man, I hope my daughters are proud of me. And uh, it's a weird, uh, yeah, it's a weird thing. So you want to, you know, you want to do good. So, you know, for me, it's it's showing them, you know, whatever, like, they're not going to care how many millions of dollars you produce in your practice. They're going to care if you're a good human being. Mm. And um, so for me, it's trying to do good where I can, trying to do the right thing. What brings you satisfaction? And for me, like, listen, money's great. Like, I never want to downplay that. But watching those around you succeed, like, and you were a part of that, you know, I look at my team members, you know, I look at Amanda Floyd, I look at, you know, uh, Brittany Svoboda, I look at a uh, Sarah Howe, um, and I just, I'm watching, I look at them like, wow, they are so successful. Mm. I like to think I, I played a small part in that, and when I think about that, it, it brings me a lot of happiness, and yeah. again, I don't think that's that's my legacy, but it's it's just something that, that uh, brings me satisfaction. Yeah, well, I think that's part of it, right? Because, like, if you look at impact and if it's all about you, your ego is the biggest in the room and you're selfish and kind of more concerned about yourself. I think that plays a part specifically how you're remembered too. What are people going to say about Ben Fishbein or Luke Infinger when we're not here? Oof. I think that's that's important. It's interesting that you bring up, you know, your daughters because I remember at the last Fishbein Fundamentals, you had added some slides in with your family and it it. I think it made a lot of people in the room think. It certainly kind of made me think of like, oh, yeah, like am I spending enough time with my daughter? You know, my priority for, you know, since I was an orthodontist, my orthodontic practice, number one priority over, I mean, I hate to say this and I'm yeah. embarrassed to say it, but over my family, over my wife, um, mm. over my over my daughter. Um, now we have two daughters, but, you know. Um, yeah. And, 
I think one of the reasons that we we did so well because I was I was so driven. Now, if I would have done everything over again, um, wouldn't have done that. Yeah. I, you know, the first three plus years of my daughter's life, um, we were. Um, I don't want to say we were not close. Like we, you know, we always lived together and everything, yeah. but we didn't have a great connection. And um, the past couple of years, we are super close, super connected. Um, and it feels good. I'm more connected with my my wife, and you know now we have a new baby, so uh, yeah. we're not we're not connected yet. But yeah. uh, hopefully, but you know I don't know um, if I've told you this before, but used usually when I went on vacation, like if we went on vacation, didn't matter if I was with my family, if I was by myself, whatever it was, I'd always come back early. Mm-hmm. Always, it didn't matter. You know, I, I I changed so many flights. I didn't care what I paid to change the flight to come back a day early. I didn't care if I had a you know extra night or two in the hotel. I'd be like, yeah. You know, I got to get early and I, I got to work on the practice somehow, even if it was like a Saturday or Sunday. And, um, that was crazy. Yeah. Right. That was, that was, that was, uh, probably not, not healthy. So, you know, I've learned to, to realize what's most important and, uh, it's always going to be your family. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I kind of share a similar story where the first couple of years, like in my marriage, I wasn't even present and I was mm. so worried. And again, going back to kind of scarcity and fear. Yeah. It, I think it did kind of propel the business forward faster, but I think there's maybe a better way to do it. Certainly I was talking about this earlier today is just like your team, um, placing trust in your team, mentoring people. I would venture to say your, you know, your business and practice is a lot more successful today than back then. And yes, certainly your hard work helped you. But I think the reason why it keeps going and keeps growing, I'll just speak for myself, is like the the team and how we invest in the team. And then that whole analogy and quote, you know, work smarter, not harder. You kind of figure that out. The I guess the cool thing is, is we're discovering this and hopefully it's just the beginning because you see some people who never do. And that certainly kind of makes me sad. And it's something to look at and say, oh, well, I don't want to be that and and remember that. It's like the theme of, you know, that the underlying theme here is, is get out of your own way. And mm-hmm. even when you think you're getting out of your own way, you're you're still in your own way. Um, and that doesn't always apply to your, your business. Sometimes it's your, you know, everything else, you, you know, you're getting in the way of, of being with your family. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, you see a lot of, orthodontists that are, you know, high anxiety and, uh, uh, have, you know, some, some mental health issues. And I think, you know, if I could tell myself something, if I could talk to myself from five years ago, I I would say, Hey, you know, it's going to be okay. Why don't you, why don't you step back a little bit and, um, you don't have to do everything you're, you're doing. It's, it's okay. Yeah. Let's talk about stewardship for a second. I don't know if this is a word you really think about. It's a word that I kind of started to think about more. And, you know, I grew up in a Christian household. The Bible talks about stewardship a lot, but specifically with orthodontist, and I think this is probably transcends all business verticals. You you have something that could really be good, you know, kind of, you, you could reap a really good harvest down the road, but instead of kind of tilling the soil and, and working on what's in front of you, it's kind of like the shiny object, something appears over here. And you, you go start doing that thing, and you can't steward the thing that you already had. And you keep doing that, sometimes in perpetuity. And so everything that you kind of have kind of 
sucks. And I'll, I'll paint it like this. Mm. I see a lot of practices starting to add associates and locations. This makes it more practical. Mm. And I'll talk to them and they're like, oh yeah, well, my, my flagship office is only doing like half a million. So I decided to go start a new office and, you know, I'm going to bring in a new doctor per diem and pay them premium per day. And they keep doing that. And then you got like four locations you're paying rent on all this equipment, loans, all your money's going out the door on that stuff. Plus these associate or doctor or contract, you know, whether they be contracts or per diem type of situation and the business isn't healthy. Again, I went to see Castilla, one location, yeah, yeah, and they stewarded that location and invested in that and have grown it, and they're reaping the reward. So kind of what, what's your thought process with me sharing that? Well, I, you know, I'll say this. So I used to be impressed. You know, like when orthodontists talk to each other, it's like, oh, well, I have I have eight offices, you know. <laughs> oh, whoa, I got, I got four doctors working for me. Oh, wow, you know. Yeah. And that, that's what I used to be impressed with. Now it's like the opposite. Now I'm like... Wait, you got one office, just you, and you're doing what numbers? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know some some doctors. I mean, the, the doctor I know who's the most, um, I would say, financially successful orthodontist in terms of what they're bringing home per year. I'm not talking about a, a sale. I'm not talking about anything else. Is a is a one doctor, one office practice, and it's somebody who I, I believe last time I checked is only working like something like 10 days a month. And um, so, you know, you wonder, you know, how, how is that possible? And the answer is, I don't know. I got to go. I got to go visit that person. But, um, <laughs> we'll both go. Yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah. He's, he, they'll, they'll, they'll let us come. You know, I think it is like the idea of uh, like, you know, you look like, oh, I have this empire. Like, you know, people would come up to me like, oh, you have – Eight offices, like, well, I'm like, yeah, man, I wish I wish I was doing what I was doing in eight. I was doing in four. You know? Yeah. So all that glitters isn't gold. It looks cool, but then when you start to peel back the layers, it's like, well, this may not be the smartest setup. You uh, know? Totally. A practice that I always reference, uh, she came to Fundamentals, Dr. Connect. Yeah. And she started six weeks before the pandemic, and she's kind of stayed away from that. She doesn't listen to a lot of the things that – you kind of hear within the orthodontic community. Yeah, yeah, that's good. She's two and a half years in. Her take home and profitability is higher than practices I see sometimes 20 years old, but, you know, five, 10 years old, and they've got all these locations and, totally. di- and they can't even make the most of it. And then they're spread so thin. And then, it, like you said, it adds more stress, more anxiety. And that's why I really like the principle of stewardship is like, okay, this is what I have. I'm going to pour everything into this until I can maximize that. And then, you know, the model then is duplicatable because then it's like, okay, let's just say hypothetically, I'm doing, you know, $4 million, one doctor, my profitability somewhere around 40% net margins. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to duplicate this same model. We've worked out all the kinks. Some of my core team can travel to this new location, but then we'll hire new roles and we know how to train them because our team's really good, because we had stewardship and leadership and invested in this team. And then I'm going to go get an associate, and then I'm going to mentor that associate. And then that location is going to add another $2 million in 24 months and increase profitability, take home, everybody wins. Yeah. But but 
rarely does that happen and you see the opposite happening. Well, you know, the, the, the only, the only argument I'd make against that is, is you can do two things at once. So you can, you know, like, so opening another office doesn't prevent you from growing your, your current office, but, you know, in terms of profitability, which is something that, you know, in terms of the financial part of the practice, the most important, right, is the, the most profitable you can be is, is I think that one doctor, one office at full capacity. But, you know, you never see that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I guess you do so very, very rarely, but. Well, for me, it's just focus. Like yeah. technically you can do anything, right? Anything's possible. And there's people out there who may be listening who have done that. Maybe they've scaled to 10 locations and they're just crushing it. Yeah. But I think most people can't focus when that happens. Totally. Totally. And particularly if they don't have the team to help them. Yeah. Right. So, but I, I could tell you this, if, if, you know, let's say I was competing against the orthodontist and I, we both opened in the same town and I had, I opened one office and they opened up right next to me. Right. And they opened up three to four offices. Right. And they're splitting their time between those three offices. They're splitting their marketing dollars between their, those three offices. They're splitting their team between those three offices you know, I'm going to crush them, right? Yeah. Because I mean, I'm just, and, and not because I'm better than them, because I'm going to put all my focus, all my time, all my marketing dollars, all my people into that, that one location. So um, not saying, you know, as someone who's opened up many locations, I'm not saying not, not opening multiple locations, but kind of what you, what you said yeah. before, it's like your focus, you know, don't, don't lose focus. Something I've heard a lot lately and been reminded of in business, it's timing. You know, in real estate, it's location, location, location. Business, it's timing, timing, timing. For me and what I like to encourage people on and the practice owners I talk to, because again, I want to help them, is, hey, it's exciting now. Let's take a step back and think about it logically versus emotionally and then weigh if it's still the, the best decision right now. Yeah, and, you know, there's some orthodontists that, you know, they think they always have to be doing something new and, like... I'm going to use myself as an example because I, you know, I feel like a hypocrite when I say this and I did it myself or I feel like I have to be opening another office. Like I'm not being productive if I'm not working on a new office or something like that. Like it's okay. Like you're doing good. Just keep doing what you're doing and, you know, it'll grow, grow organically. So kind of shifting lanes just a little bit, what are some ways that you think orthodontists should invest in themselves if they do want to grow faster and easier? Well, I think investing in their team um, is probably the best thing they can do. Like when we were, you know, starting out, we, like I brought my team to all the meetings, right? Like, Mm. and people would say to me, oh my gosh, like you're going to make this investment in your team. Like, what if they leave next week? I'm like, well, what if they don't, you know, like (laughs) if they, if they don't leave, I, you know, I need to make sure that they're, that they're, they're getting better. So, Um, I never worried about that. And yeah, I brought teams to meetings and some of them laughed. And, you know, listen, I, I hope that those team members got something out of that, that, uh, that meeting and, uh, or whatever, and, um, came back a better person and helped their next office, you know, more. But, um, I think number one, yeah, investing in your team, um, number two would be going to visit other practices. I, I still like going to visit other practices. It's like my favorite thing to do because, um, I am always shocked what, people are, are doing both good and bad. Mm-hmm. And I learned in both scenarios. And, um, you know, part of my role with small doctors is I actually, I do go to, to um, see these other practices and I'm, I learn something every time. Um, and I think you can learn something from, from anybody. And, uh, you know, I'll typically, you know, sometimes going to some talks are difficult for me at pretty ADD. But yeah. um, when I, when I go to a practice, 
um, I'll always come back with a couple pearls um, and be able to improve. You know, sometimes it's not always business stuff. Sometimes it's like clinical or just time management or, or just kind of a, you know, self-reflection thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, just even in terms of myself, having more time and spending, you know, like I said, working smarter, not harder, you kind of realize like even investing in yourself, I've kind of become a little bit of a health nut. You know what yes. I mean? Like, okay. You? No, yeah. yeah. And I know. I know. We should, we should talk on this podcast about some of the stuff you do health wise. Yeah. Uh, ice baths. Yeah. Are you doing those now? Yeah. Oh. So, so how many minutes? Well, rarely actually do I do ice. I just take cold showers, okay. sometimes two to three times a day. So every shower I take is cold. Um, and Ooh. then I do these biohacker baths at night, which is like Epsom salt, magnesium, food-grade hydrogen peroxide, baking soda in a bath as hot as you can get it. You soak in that for like 30 minutes. Then you get out and jump in a cold shower. And it lowers inflammation, yeah. increases blood flow, helps you sleep better. I track my sleep. So like water, even water I drink, like I'm got this crazy filtration system on my house. And I think for me, it's just being natural, you know, knowing the food that you're eating. So I have a garden. Uh, I was talking to a guy the other day and he's like, oh, the meat, you need to be careful about the meat you eat. It needs to be like fresh kill. And if you look at food production and the way yeah. meat is made, uh, animals before they're killed, their cortisol is usually through the roof oh. and trauma. And yeah. so chemicals are releasing through their body in, with, which would happen with severe trauma. And then you're eating that. Holy shit. So, so, <laughs> so, what, are you, so what are you doing for meat? I mean, are you not I haven't, meat so I still am, but I'm, I'm looking at like, uh, and have always tried to eat, uh, like free, free roaming meat. So like, Free roam, no nothing added to the meat, but then looking, starting to look at like freshly killed. So like if, for instance, I moved out into the middle of nowhere, you got to come over. Fifteen acres. There's, you got chickens? Not yet, but yeah. I'm getting chickens. This egg crisis. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> let's not Bold talk about mine with that. those chickens at your house. <laughs> but uh, you know, like for instance, if I opened up my window, I could literally open up my window and shoot a deer. There's deer everywhere. Oh really? That animal Sniper, doesn't yeah. know that it's about to be killed. And so there's not all these uh, chemicals running through their body of fear and trauma. And so that translates into what's in the meat and then what's inside of you when you eat it. Well, you know, I think we go, I think we go to the same health doctor who's, who's, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. who's uh, one of your clients too. But uh, my cortisol levels were bad, dude. Really? They were bad. Did you do the saliva, saliva testing test, yeah. and you did it like throughout the day? Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. Yeah, there's all these little things. So like I worked with this guy yeah. um, and I've actually referred some orthodontist to him. He built me like a 40-page protocol. If anybody wants it, I'll share it with them. I want it. I'll share okay, it with thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But it's really interesting. And I mean, it's kind of like what we're talking about in business, like keep it simple, stupid. Like right. a lot of the most healthy people, it's so simple. You know, grow your own food, rip stuff out of the ground and eat it, shoot stuff and know where your meat's coming from. Like, it's just simple. Right. Just, you know, trying to eat a lot of processed stuff. Yeah. You know, the tough thing is a, is a kid. I don't know about your daughter. My, my daughter, like, you know, she'll, she'll, go, she'll go get a, a, a sandwich or something and just eat the bread. I mean, it's just, you know, yeah. it's, it's well, and I don't a, know if you're able to, to 
You got any advice there? <laughs> well, as, as a kid, yeah. I mean, you can do a lot of things as a kid. You can't do in a, as That's an adult. Too. Your, yeah. your organs are new. Your blood's new. You're going to regenerate much faster. That's true. Once you get older, it's like... Yeah, I know. It's tougher, man. <laughs> so anyway, something I'm always thinking about. If you want to know more about that, just hit me up. Free to share. But to kind of wrap this up, I want to talk about the e-myth in business. So to, to kind of bring this back home, bring it back to business... I don't know if you've ever read this book, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. No, I, it's what it's... it's have you heard best. of it? I have heard of it. Okay. I have read it, yeah. So I'll walk you through it real quick. In the book, it talks about the technician, the manager, and the visionary. Okay? So there's three core roles that is within any business, and most business owners have to be all three. So if you thought about your practice <clears throat> when you kind of started and bought it from Dr. Austin... At least at, least at first, right? Right, at yeah, first. Yeah, at first, yeah. But my point is, is fast forward and some of these practices we're seeing that aren't growing, that have poor mindsets, when you dig into them, they're like, I'm running payroll. Uh, I actually go do part of my consult, my TCs and TC training. And then I'm like, oh, well, how long has she worked with you? A year. Like, what do you mean she's still in TC training? You can call it micromanagement, okay? Micromanaging your TCs, yeah. And then when I talk to these- TCs love that. Yeah, they they thrive in that. Yeah. Yeah, thriving <laughs> environment for them when the doctor's sitting over their shoulder and doing saying the exact same thing they just said, told the patient. Patients love that too. It's great. Uh, yeah, adds, yeah, adds an hour and a half exam. Right, in there. oh yeah. The patient loves to be sitting there a couple <laughs> hours. Fantastic. But, you know, I, I look at this and, and some of it, when I try to talk to the doctor, it's like egos, you know, like, oh, well, I can do it better. Or I, I can do everything or you know, yeah, there's very specific ways this needs to be done and only I can do it. Again, it all goes back to what we're talking about. Getting out of your own way. Getting out of your own I way. Say, I say orthodontists are typically good at one thing, orthodontics. You know, right. every, everything else they, I mean, look, you got some, you got some exceptions, um, but, um, you know, orthodontists are, are typically um, intelligent uh, people. They've been in school for a long time to learn one thing. Um, so, you know, in terms of uh, relating to the average patient, probably not their strong suit, although there are some obvious uh, uh, exceptions. But um, look, if, if someone can do something 80% of the job that you can do, but although they're typically doing it like 120% because they're probably better at it than you, you I mean, you need, to, you need to delegate that. You should, I think the most, uh, the best use of an orthodontist time is, is, is orthodontics and, and you know, to be the most efficient you could be, I think it's it's delegating everything your license doesn't require you to do yourself. Mm, that's really good. So the, the way I explain it is an orthodontist, if you think about it, is a technician. Because doing orthodontics, you're, you're doing the work, right? Sure. In a lot of cases, you're overseeing a lot right, of it. Right, You're not maybe getting, you're not changing the wire right. yourself, but you're, you're seeing the patient. You're seeing the patient, yeah. okay? That uh, is a technician. And I, I don't want people to get confused. I'm not calling orthodontists like dental techs. Right, a, a dental assistant, sure. Right, it's just the function of the role. Like if, if I'm a designer and I start a design business and I'm doing the design, I'm a technician, sure. okay? So... That is one of the key things. But then the the orthodontist, again, the the really effective and fast-growing practices I, I see, the orthodontist is the technician and the visionary. Mm-hmm. Okay, And Ernie McDowell, who's a friend of ours, said, when I work in the practice, I'm working for Janet, who is his COO. When we're not in the practice and not running clinic, Janet works for me. Oh, I love that. 
It's right? totally Simple. true. Totally true. And sadly, most of the orthodontists who aren't growing, who are frustrated, come to me, they're kind of frantic and it's not working and it never was working, you know, and it's probably not going to work in the future. They're specifically managing when you look at it. Well, who does this person report to? Oh, me. Uh, And you run payroll and you do, and you look at it and it's like, there's no way the practice can grow. Now, maybe you can get to a million dollars or you can get beyond that, but I've never seen anyone happy and I've never seen a, a practice who can continue to grow where the orthodontist is continuing to do all three. And like I said, maybe it's out there. Yeah. I just haven't seen it. Yeah. No, I think you're right about that. I think you're right. I mean, I'm sure there's some exceptions. But, yeah. Um, yeah, typically, I mean, again, it goes back to getting out of your own way. But you know, typically the ones, and, and we've talked about this, the ones who are doing super well have a really strong, you know, whether you want to call that person an office manager, a COO, mm-hmm. a CEO, but, but someone who's... Uh, who's really running the practice. That's not the orthodontist. Cool. Well, I yeah. think we talked about a lot. This is my favorite podcast so far Dude, that I, I've done with I say, you. I, same here, man. I, I love think it's it. the studio. Dude, this studio is sick, man. We got to, uh, I got to, I got to come back here and play some ping pong, man. It's, yeah. It's yeah. Good, for good, sure. Good spot. Any, anything before we pop off, any last words, want to shout out anything? Uh, no. Hey, shout out to hip for, uh, bringing a, a shitload of patients to my door and, and, <laughs> allowing me to provide a, a fantastic service for those for those patients and uh, helping us grow to, uh, I don't know, 110, 115 uh, team member practice now. So, so thank you, guys. Congrats. Yeah, yeah our hey, pleasure. Hey, we were, we were uh, I think we had 10 people when we joined HIP, so uh, it helped us a little bit. Yeah, well, yeah. likewise, yeah. You, you've helped us a little bit, so yeah. appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about HIP, or any of the topics in this episode, send an email to hello at hipcreativeinc.com. That's hello at hipcreativeinc.com. Or jump over to our website at hip.agency.